Hallelujah. Today is, is going to bring in something different today. We truly believe in the power of being led by the Spirit. So today the Father had me do something different today. And it's befitting for today because I feel it in the atmosphere. So before I begin, I thought I was going to minister with my husband today, and I was preparing to do so, but I couldn't get myself to get into it or or bring my portion that I was supposed to bring, and so I wrestled with it for a while. And so I got up this morning with the intentions of ministering with my husband today, and in the process of me looking at his sermon for today and inserting what I'm going to be ministering to you today with him, my computer starts updating. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, this got to be happening for a reason. So I sat there and I just began to pray. I began to pray in tongues. And in that moment, he verified to me, that no, you're not supposed to minister with him today. I'm the one who did that. Because I didn't want you to spend time doing something that I didn't tell you to do. But he did tell me that I would minister to you today from a different place. And that it would be the actual prophetic demonstration that he's allowing me to minister with him but in a demonstration form so before I get into what the spirit dropped on me as I began to pray he gave me actually a corporate word for the body of Christ and in that word is actually in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 And before we read it, I want everybody to say, ouch. Because what I'm getting ready to tell you is about to hurt. So I'm preparing your hearts for it. So let's read this together. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm going to be reading from those cards that I have because as he was dropping it on me, I was just writing. So I'm going to give you what he told me. Now, what we just read here, the picture here, 
So make sure that you have your ears open and tuned to the spirit, what I'm getting ready to say. The picture here in these verses is vital for us to catch in order for it to make sense to us. So picture a young oxen yoked to a bigger oxen with a wooden yoke that harnesses the power of these two animals to accomplish something. Jesus says, I will carry the weight of this because you're smaller. And you don't need to carry this, so all I need you to do is walk along a side of me because my yoke that I have for you is light, it's easy, and it's not burdensome. Because why? That's the life that he has for you. So this is an amazing statement, but the problem is many of us find that we are in a lot of pain with the yoke that we're in. Now, if I'm yoked to my brother Jesus and he's carrying the weight of the yoke, it's supposed to be easy. Then why does it feel heavy? How could I possibly be feeling pain if he's carrying the weight? It's only because I'm going in the wrong direction. So listen carefully. There are many times that the father yokes us to other people. And it causes pain for us. But it's all because we are not going in the direction by being yoked to him. So we think that in order to get rid of the pain, we need to get rid of the person and to remove them because they are coming into our life and causing us pain. That might be a coworker, a supervisor, a loved one, a spouse, a friend. But if the father is interested in much more than our accomplishments and our achievements, yes, he wants to gain a return off of every talent, every gift, and every ability that he has given you in order to advance the kingdom for his glory. And in order to bring in a harvest for him, that is important for him. But there is one thing that is of a greater value to him than that. And that is conforming to the image of his son. So let's make this practical. Because we need to apply this to our life. So I'm getting ready to make this practical for you. The Father has given us the power of free will to make decisions. And part of that power is our ability, right, to remove people in our life that we feel are causing us pain. 
which may sound like wisdom for the moment. But here is what I want you to get out of this, that none of us have it all together. And we actually need people that are in relationship with us to expose where we still need to grow up and where we have sharp edges. The main mission, because there are several missions, but the main mission is to conform to the image and be like Christ. And sometimes the problem with the Father blessing us and putting favor on us and increasing us is that you can begin to isolate yourself from people, hindering your own growth process and need for change. So I can create this environment amongst myself that hardly ever any conflict ever comes my way and I can begin to remove people in my life just so that I can get isolated and that there's no pain in my life. I have the power to do that. But let me tell you what the problem with that is. The Father has sovereignly yoked us with people that causes us pain. He puts us together with the people we need on purpose. Sometimes it's a spouse, a co-worker, a supervisor, a friend, a relative. The point here is that we never say a person is causing us pain to expose a weakness in us. We say that we have a, they have a weakness in them and they have the problem and they have an issue. You say, Pastor, I've been praying about this situation. I've been trying to do my best with this situation. But not realizing some of those situations are arranged by the Father. Because you're not quite the person who you think you are. And having that person in your life brings out another person, a trait, a quality in you that you are not proud of. So for example, a person begins to vex you, get on your nerves. You say, this is the last time I'm even going to associate myself with this person. You praying You're trying to break it off. You're in your secret place, in your closet. Now, it brings actually some form of relief for you. But let me present this to you. Because it seems like this person that's in your life is a curse or a punishment, but it is not. It's actually a gift of the Father to bring us into the likeness and the image of Christ. So let me present this to you, not only how to remove the burden of being yoked to people that vex you and gain ground in the spirit so that you will not only be blessed and favored, but you will conform to the image so that it can change you. So let me do this by demonstration. I want all couples and those that are planning to get married to stand in front. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to do this from a marital standpoint, and then I'm going to do it from an individual standpoint. Hallelujah, Father. I want you to yoke up with that person like this, arm in arm. <laughs> That's okay, Chad. We know your person in children's church. <laughs> but I'm going to do this by demonstration. This person that is next to you, this person next to you, the father gave you this person on purpose. And it's not going to be just blissful. You have to understand there are parts of you that are undeveloped. And the only way that that side of you is actually conformed to the image of Christ is if he brings out in you something that you are not proud of. In order for you to see this is an area that I need to work on, but not to distance yourself from the person and think that it's their fault. The main mission is to conform to the image of Christ. Out of all the accomplishments out of all the things that you will do for the kingdom, it will not be greater than you conforming to his image. That is what he is looking for in the earth. Mature sons and daughters. So I'll have you guys to go back to your seat. So that's from a merit, marriage standpoint. Now, I'm about to get to you on an individual level. Let me have Evangelist Ola. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to show you how to gain ground in the spirit and to conform to the image of Christ. And how this looks. Ola, stand right here with me. Me and Ola are friends. Now the father has placed her in my life. But let's say that every time I look up, Ola got something going on. And it's just bothering me. It's vexing me in my spirit. I'm like, wow, Lord, please, why don't this girl get it? Every time that she calls me, it's the same issue. It's the same things. Now, how I'm supposed to do this, in order to line myself back up with the yoke so that the burden won't feel heavy, Everything that is right with her and not wrong with her, I begin to give thanks to the Father for. So I begin to go into prayer, not to say that something is wrong with her, fix her father, but to give thanks for the parts that she is great for and great at. So how this would look, say I'm, I'm in my secret place. And it's still complaining about her. I go into Thanksgiving. Father, I thank you 
I thank you for Ola. Thank you for placing her in my life. That through her, Father, you're teaching me, Father, how to be patient. I thank you, Father, that every time that I look up that I can depend on Ola in the church because she is always there. I thank you, Father, that anything that I ask Ola to do, she'll do it. I thank you for her heart, Lord God, towards you. Thank you for sending us help, Father. And so when you begin to do that, you're going to feel the weight of it lifting off of you. And so the things now that have been vexing me about her, it's not vexing me anymore. And a lot of times that's what you're going to have to do with your spouse. You can have a seat over. So because they're going to get on your nerves. <laughs> they're not going to have the same views as you. They're not going to do what you want to do with the money <laughs> or discipline the kids how you want to discipline them. But it's not for you guys to bump head in head and separate and he in this room and you in that room. And before you know it, you're not even talking no more. But the solution to that is to thank God for what you have. So you'll be saying, Father, thank you. If I was keen, I'd say, Father, thank you for Kirby. I've been waiting, Father, for you to send me a husband, Father. I thank you right now, Father, that I don't have to worry about, Father, him loving you, Father. I know he do, Lord God. And, Father, you have given me a man, Father, to lead us. That he is in line with your will, Father. I thank you for the husband that you have given me. I thank you that I don't have to worry about him being out all night or even worry, Father, that he is cheating on me, Father, with some women, Father, I have to worry about. But you have given me a man of God after your very own heart. Thank you, Father, for my husband. So my point here is align yourself with the yoke. He is giving you a light yoke so that the burden of it won't feel like a burden, but it will be easy. And the main mission out of everything you will ever do in life is to conform to that image. But in order to conform to that image, people are going to have to rub you the wrong way. It's not to distance yourself from people, but it's allowing you to see what's still in you that need to change. So that you can get to the full measure of Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Good word. Amen. <laughs> Let's turn the music down a little bit. You just don't know how the Father's going to do it. You always have to be open to what he wants to do. The one thing I hate more than anything in the body of Christ is tradition. I can't stand tradition. Anytime Jesus said that it is your tradition that makes the word of God no effect. Now, that's powerful when man's tradition can make an eternal God's word 
of none effect. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to get into the word for today. I'm pretty sure that uh, some of the things that Dr. Hardy said will definitely come back up. Um, our topic or our title for today, uh, now we're still coming from the Orphan series, uh, but our topic on today is something that most people are familiar with. Um, the title of our teaching on today is called Church Hurt. church hurt. Now, I've heard a lot of things, uh, even over this last couple days and this morning, I listened to a lot of things about <clears throat> church hurt. Okay. And there's a lot of stories. I'm pretty sure I can give everybody the mic and they got something to say about church hurt. All right. And just watching YouTube, reading books, just reading blogs and different things. I've seen a lot of information about church hurt, but I've seen rare, rarely anything on how to fix it or even why it's happening. Now, most of the things that I heard, hearing leadership talk, it was people fault. Hearing people talk, it was a leadership. All right. Now, this is the Orphan Series. So, I'm going to lay it out to you like this. The reason why there's church hurt is because the church is one big orphanage. From the leader down to the people. All right. I'm going to say this several times during this teaching. If you come in contact with a ministry... And let me preface this with this statement. This is not about attacking ministries. It's not about attacking people. All right. I'm not feeding your, your uh, ambition to be disgruntled. Not here for that. Not attacking individuals. I want to help the body of Christ do something right. All right. We need to get this right. And so this is the orphan series. And I'm telling you, the number one reason for the church hurt is because of the orphan spirit. It's in the leader. It's in the people. And you go into ministries and the ministry has no intentions of removing that from you. They have no intentions. So if there's no intentions to remove the orphan, only thing you can do is get more steeped more disconnected, more disgruntled, more pain, more hurt. Now, it's not even that, that ministries aren't trying to remove the orphan. They're not even trying to raise you. And the way church is supposed to work is supposed to be family, then a university in a community. Let me say that again. It's supposed to be a family. In a university, those are the two parts of the church. We are a family. We are one with Christ. Secondly, we have to understand that we are coming here to learn and be conformed to his image. Just like Dr. Hardy was saying, that is the ultimate goal of the church. It's not the music. 
It's not the hand clapping, the stump, feet stumping. It's not door knocking, okay? It's not lifting your hands. The main purpose of this body is that we be conformed to the image of Christ. And when you come in contact with a church or a ministry and they can't do that, it's bound to be church hurt. It's going to be church hurt because there's no plan. Men, young men, we talked about this at the fellowship. I have no problem with people talking about dating, boyfriend, I have no issue with that. But we were talking about at the fellowship is we got to sit these boys down, young men down, and ask the question, why do you need a girlfriend? Ask the girl, why do you want a boyfriend? Why do you want to be, why do you want to get married? Why? (laughs) Why do we want to get married? Why do we come to church? We don't have answers for it. We just do it. And then when, when the hurt happens, we blame it on the other party. No, you walked into the thing absent minded. You don't know why. You liked him. He looked good. You just, hey, she fine. You made lips, hips, fingertips, all that on. That looked like a wife. (laughs) Say again. Come on now. But that's when we get hurt. We get hurt when there is no plan in place. When you just freestyling being a wife. You have no intentions of being a wife. You just freestyling being a husband. You just freestyling marriage. It happens all the time in church. You ask 90% of the, the, the church, why do you come to church? To hear the word. The word about what? Jesus told the Pharisees that you point, he said, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures point to me and you won't come to me. He was letting them know that you got the scriptures, but you point them in the wrong direction. If you will point them to me, you will get life. And so there are so many stories of church hurt. We're going to release a couple on today. Talk about a couple. These are some of the definitions of church hurt. Pain inflicted by a religious institution that distances people from that community. Pain inflicted because of total abuse of power in church. Now, I've seen psychological manipulation in the church. All right. I've seen people come in hurt with the orphan spirit. People come in downtrodden and I've seen leadership use that to their advantage to keep the people there. I've seen sexual assault, molestation. I was in school one day and a guy came to me. He said, I don't know why I feel like I can talk to you. I'm supposed to tell you this. He said, I have HIV. He said, and I got it because I was molested by pastors.
He said, upon being molested by pastors, it took him into a different lifestyle. And in that lifestyle, he contracted that. That's that's not even okay in the world. Let alone the church. But that is a story that is stained on a person's conscience forever. So when you say the word pastor, he's thinking, I have HIV because of the church. When you invite him to church, they don't want to come to church. Why? Because of this situation. The situation I'm in right now is because of the church. Ecclesiastics 10, 16, and 17 says, Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child and thy princes eat in the morning. He's letting us know, woe to the land, woe to thee when your leadership is an infant. When your leader is a child, when your leader has no idea about five stages of sonship, they didn't get walked through it. Now, like I said, I'm not pointing out leaders. That's not my purpose of doing this. I'm not trying to condemn people. I'm not trying to condemn ministries, but we got to get a direction going here. We need a direction. We need to be intentionally doing something here. Then it says, blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles. You see the difference. It's hard for you to get blessed in a ministry when the when the leader is an infant. Because we don't ask little kids to be patient with other little kids. We don't ask orphans to be patient with other orphans. When an orphan comes out of situation, they're coming into a situation so that the orphan can be removed. You're not supposed to come in a church and then your orphan spirit gets worse. But this is where we are. Now, church hurt can happen by leadership or members. It can be malicious or it can be non-malicious. Peter, in, in a book of Galatians, Paul had to come to Peter and he had to check Peter. He had to put Peter in his rightful place because Peter had fell into hypocrisy because he did not want to eat with those who had been who were uncircumcised. Now, the crazy thing about this, before Paul even got called to the ministry, Peter had a vision from the father in Acts chapter 10 that told him, don't call anything unclean. That I said it's clean. So Paul comes into the church in Galatia and he checks Peter. And he says, if you being a Jew are trying to persuade the Gentiles to act like Jews, then why are you acting like a Gentile? We receive instructions to conform to the image of Christ. Once we don't conform to the image of Christ, we automatically stay an orphan. We automatically stay mature. That's why I'm telling you, I'm not begging anyone to show up to church, but I'm going to tell you something. 
Every time you show up, something's activated. (laughs) Every time you miss, something's deactivated. Just like college. You go to school and you say, you know what? I want to be a doctor. How many classes are you going to miss? You want to be a lawyer. How many classes are you going to miss? If the plan is to become, why not show up? If that's your plan. Because it's, it's, it's bad enough when you don't show up to get built up. All right. It's bad enough. But when you go through these situations and circumstances and you find yourself empty, you can't blame the church for that. (laughs) Especially not here. In In the Corinthians church, Paul addressed a young man that was sleeping with his father's wife. This stuff happens in the church. Paul had to tell the women, look, don't wear that type of attire. Your beauty does not come from your hair. It does not come from your jewelry. It does not come from your clothes. The body said that salvation beautifies the flesh. So Paul had to tell him. Paul had to tell him, tell him about marriage. The, all of these things happen in the church. I've seen people come into church and be ran out by gossipers. I've seen people come into church and be ran out because of adultery, because infidelity. I've seen all of that happen in the church. But the thing that I did have not seen happen in the church is a direction in which we are going. Where are we going? So, anytime... The orphan spirit is in a church or in a ministry. By definition, it makes it fatherless. It makes it fatherless. What did I just tell you? Every time you come to church, something is going to be. I remember Tashombe saying that when he listened to Otha's Lionheart's podcast into the dream series, he said it activated his dreams. It turned them on. Ola and Kirby, when they came to one of our Bible studies at our house before we started the church, it activated their dreams. What am I telling you? If it's not taught, it's not going to activate it. If it's not taught, it can't be activated. If you don't teach sonship, it's not activated. It's not even on your mind. If you don't talk about the orphan spirit in church, it's not activated. You're clueless to it. You're walking around like, what is going on in my life? What is wrong with me? Why come every time I get into a situation and circumstance, I feel rejected? Because everything that happens in a church are not legitimate claims. Sometimes you come in there hurt, but the problem is when you come in there hurt, nobody can heal that. When the church is fatherless, fatherless meaning there is no growth spiritually into Christ. 
nor is the orphan being removed. Now, gifts can be activated and the orphan spirit is still not removed. We can build platforms to sing and the orphan spirit still not be removed. We can preach, we can teach, and the orphan spirit still not be removed. Amen? We get hurt in churches. I told you I'm going to say this a couple times. Times when leadership has no plan to remove the orphan or raise the child. Hurt is a, it's bound, it's bound to happen. You cannot escape it. Sooner or later, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated because there's no growth there. I was talking to someone the other day. Matter of fact, every time I was talking to someone the other day and they said to me, before we came in contact with the five stages of sonship and with the orphan spirit and teaching about the father, he said, what were we doing? What were we doing? We were just going to church with the hopes that one day he would let us into heaven. That is empty. And like I told you before, I think if that was his plan, that is stupid. For you to create a whole race of people, put them on earth, allow them to endure things, and then say, if you don't get over it, I'm just going to send you to hell. Like I told you, that's not okay if I did that. It's not okay if I go out and adopt children, bring them into my household, mistreat them because they won't act right, and because they won't act right, kick them out of my house. Just give me another one. What am I looking for? I'm looking for the perfect child. I'm not looking to remove anything from them. Most ministries, they don't have any intentions of removing anything from you. That's why I say you, we have to build a family. We can't build a ministry. You have to build a family. You're suppo- we're supposed to minister from inside a family. Brother to brother, sister to sister. Marriage to marriage. We're supposed to minister in family. God did not create this earth because he wanted a ministry. He didn't say let there be light so he can fill pews and we can clap our hands and we can sing Jesus is going to work it out. You cannot convince me that he was in heaven saying, okay, this is, I'm in eternity. I'm going to create time and space. And you know what? I just want a bunch of religious folks. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I want. I just, you know what? Forget creativity. They don't need none of that junk. Give them hymns. Give them hymns. They don't need to be, they don't need to know who they are. They need to know what's wrong with them. They don't need to know what I called them to do. They need to come to this church and serve. That's it. I fell for it. I ain't going to lie. Pastors, give me some water. We was all up and running. Y'all going to laugh at me like that? <laughs> laugh at my afflictions, right? But it's because there's no foundation. Where there's no foundation, you can't build. 
and you have the right to walk into any ministry that you're going to be a part of and ask, what is the foundation? Where are you taking us? Just like you have a right to walk into a school. Watch this. If you go to law school and you've been there for four years and you ain't heard nothing about the law. What you going to do? What you going to do? <laughs> you better transfer. You better transfer. You tell me you're going to be a doctor. You've been in school for six years and they ain't said nothing about medicine. Matter of fact, y'all in there cooking donuts. It's time to go. Why are we here? And if they don't know from here, you don't know out there. If they're lost from this position, then you're out there lost. We went to a, 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 um, a, we were invited to a church service in Florida. And, you know, I went there because I'm sharing the gospel about the father, about, you know, us being children of God. And, the, you know, the bishop convinced me, he's like, hey, I love the way you're doing this. Come on, I want you to come down and we're going to sit and talk with these pastors. I get down there, we had no conversations. That ain't why he brought me down there. He brought me down there to try to reconvert me. <laughs> so I'm sitting in this service, okay? And the pastor who's teaching, the first night the, the guy taught, and <laughs> what are you laughing for? Oh, you was there, Okay. And he came and asked me, you know, the bishop who invited me came and asked me, what do you think about that word? I said, it was trash. Hold on, before I go any further, let me say this. Jesus, my brother, I take my father's business serious. All right? I'm serious. I take this stuff serious. I don't care about hurting pastor's feelings. I'm not attacking nobody. I use the same principle that Jesus used. Attack the Pharisees. Don't say nothing about Nicodemus. Okay, you can attack situations, don't attack people. You don't attack people. He didn't say nothing about Nicodemus, but he sure said a lot about the Pharisees. He sure said a lot about the Sadducees. He sure said a lot about the scribes. So I am authorized to tear down doctrine. Jesus said everything that my heavenly father did not plant will be uprooted. All right. So back to the story. We're at this place and this guy, the second day when he asked me and I'm like, man, that was like, it was trash. Like he would read a scripture, but it would never connect to what he was saying. He had to, you know, he had all of the body. All that was there. The formalities, it was there. And you just don't. It was all there. So the second night, the bishop comes preach. Another bishop come preach. All right. He didn't even ask me about him because it was worse than the first guy. Okay. But this is the thing I want you to get out of this. Okay. He was sitting up there telling them that they had no authority over their own life and that they were not even able 
to do anything without the authority of him. He told them, don't even listen to your drunk daddy. Don't even listen to your lying mama. You're supposed to listen to your spiritual parents. That's the equivalent of me telling you don't listen to nobody else but me and Dr. Hardy. Don't listen to nobody else, period. But this is what got me. He's telling them this. He's tearing them all the way down. And they're up screaming, preach, preach, yeah, preach the gospel. That's the God. That ain't no gospel. And at that time, I'm sitting there and I'm like, is this really happening in front of me? But I was one of them at one time. So I'm looking at them. They were in the spirit. So I had to ask myself, what spirit is this? No, 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 no. It was the spirit of error. Anytime I stand in a place, I can tell when the orphan spirit is there. Why? Because I can feel in here. When Bishop seriously came in here, the first thing he asked me, he said, you guys have a very intimate church. He said, what do you teach? I said, we teach that the whole relationship is with the father. He said, that's the intimacy that I feel in here. He said, I recognize because it's in my church. I can walk in any place and the atmosphere is tight. You can't pray in every place. You can't think. You can't worship in every place. Once you know who your father is, you can't just go back to dead worship. It's impossible. It is wasting time. And they're sitting here and they're happy when I'm telling you. And I'm like, you're in bondage. You don't even see that you are in bondage. But like I said, no found foundation. You have a right. Just like when you enroll in the school, when you enroll in the ministry, you have a right to ask the pastor and ask the ministry, where are you taking me? I had, um, what was her name? Aisha. Uh, she, when she came here for the Divine Generation Day, we was at the concert. And she said, I've heard from everybody else, but I want you to tell me what this ministry is about. I said, well, we reveal the truest intentions of God as a father. That's what we use the scriptures for, because your faith is supposed to be in him as a father, and your faith is supposed to be in you as a child. She said, well said. She said, because I didn't come for the concert. I came for the word tomorrow. And we sat right here and heard the girl say she thanked God that COVID hit and closed the church. She said, right there and say, I thank God. That don't seem like it's right. To thank God for COVID because the church closed. Let me keep going. All right. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, this scripture has been blown totally out of context, okay? And in the hands of a religious individual, this is extremely dangerous because it's telling you that God said no matter what happens in this pulpit, you got to obey. 
Now, if you know anything about the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews comes from the fact that the Jewish community, you have the Jews, then you have the Hebrews that came out of the Jewish community into Hebron. And what the Jews were trying to do is get the Hebrew church to leave this community and tell them that God would only accept them if they came back into that community. And some of them were doing it. That's why this was written. But the first scripture of the book of Hebrews starts off saying in times past, he spoke through prophets and the law. But now in this time, he speaks through his son. It is you have to understand what the purpose of the book is before someone uses it on you. This entire book is, is, is telling them why they should stay in the fold. This book is not for religious leaders. This book was against religious leaders. This book was not saying that any church you go to, you need to obey the leader and submit to them. Because watch this, watching over your soul has to be removing the orphan. If I'm not removing the orphan, I'm not watching over your soul. If I'm not raising you from a nepios to a weas, how am I watching over your soul? But this is the frustration that happens because we have a scripture, we have a Bible and we have a, a, a father that says conform. But what if you're not showing me that? He says, imitate me, but you're not telling me that I'm like him. You're not telling me that I'm his child. You're telling me that I'm his servant. How do I imitate God from a position of a servant? It's impossible possible you can only imitate him when you know that you are like him that's why he tells you you are my child which means that we're alike so when I tell you to imitate me I'm letting you know you got all the tools you lack nothing but like I said, that only happens when someone's really watching over your soul. Anytime Colossians 3 and 1 says this, it says that our life is hid with Christ in God. Our whole purpose of showing up here is to get you your life. Your life is not coming here to serve us. That's not your life. Your life is not coming, is not doing ministry. That's not your life. Your life is as his child. From his child growing up into him, growing up into him, you become co-laborer as you mature. But the first start is at the child level. We don't come in a church and be automatically become servants. We don't come in a church and automatically become slaves. And so what happens when the orphan can't be removed? And I can't raise you, you get frustrated, and in terms, you frustrate me. Because you keep calling me, needing me to fix stuff that the teaching should fix. The teaching should fix it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. If the Spirit is speaking, it don't just speak from behind the pulpit. It speaks to you in your house. 
When you wake up in the morning, before you go to bed, the spirit should always be speaking to you. We're giving you a life that is 24, 7, 365. He wants to give you eternal life, not temporary life. Eternal life. Once you're born again, my job is to walk you through these scriptures so that you feel comfortable in that relationship and that you have an understanding that this relationship never ends. (laughs) It never ends. But, according to the church, your destiny's open when you leave this building. According to the church, if you leave my ministry, your destiny's over. Your destiny's over. According to the church, the moment you leave from under the pastor and you don't like the way I'm treating you, even though I'm treating you totally wrong, God don't want you no more. And it's a shame because every time somebody try to leave a church, why they get attacked? You can tell an orphan church because as soon as you leave, the leader attack you. Then the people follow. Why? Because he raised them like that. He raised them like that. He raised them to be orphans. They got the same spirit as he does. The word makes them orphans. So soon as someone gets to leave, soon as someone want to leave, all of a sudden now, Watch this. We got ready to leave Leesville, Louisiana. We told them we were leaving. First thing they tell us, you can't go nowhere to God tell me. Mm, that ain't going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. That's bondage. Yeah. Yeah. Dre, you can't go nowhere to I tell you. <laughs> My kids don't even like that. <laughs> Nobody likes to be, stand right there, don't move, don't say nothing. You did something wrong, sit on the front row for the next two years. You ain't going to teach. You ain't going to preach. I ain't going to let you do nothing. I'm going to put you to shame because you should have never made that mistake. (laughs) So watch this. So we get ready to leave the church. We sit. Now he tells us we can't leave without his permission. And I'm like, nah, that's just not going to happen. He, (laughs) Dr. Hardy used to be religious. All right. Okay. He got her for he got they got her. You can't come up against a man of God. We moving we moving to Atlanta or I'm moving to Atlanta. <laughs> so she went and prayed. She went in a prayer. She went in prayer and she went to a fast and God said, Your husband's right. Your husband's right. It's time for y'all to go. So he, the pastor calls her up and tells her, because at the time I heard Miles, once I heard Miles Monroe teaching on the kingdom, it was over for religion. It was over. I had 40 CDs. I listened to each CD. I had a 15-hour drive from 15 hours from Chicago to Louisiana. By the time I got from Chicago to Louisiana, I was no longer apostolic. When I stepped in that church, I was no longer apostolic. And I started bringing stuff. And now all of a sudden, the, the same people who said we got truth and, and we know what we're talking about started to say this. Well, you can't uh, uh, knock nobody else's doctrine. Whoa. 
We've been doing it for years. That's the mantra of the ministry. We got the truth. Nobody else has the truth. But now I didn't came with something that's more superior than yours, and we can't knock doctrine now, huh? So we get ready to leave every message. And, and I'm taking on the mindset. I told the pastor, I said, you know what? Because I had to tell him, like, look, if you feel like you can call my wife and talk to my wife behind my back, I said, you are no longer our pastor. I quit you. Okay. And so from the time we get ready to leave, every message is about us. And look, I said that like this. Praise the Lord. I know you talking to me. We went to a conference. I didn't want to go, but she wins most of the time. Okay? Am I right? They win most of the time. She, baby, that's it. Okay. <laughs> we got to the conference. The bishop wife greeted us at the door. No, we want you to sit right here. Right where Chris said. The next two days, they do number preach on us. You ain't been through enough to know nothing about the gospel. Next got to get up. The pastor's supposed to be all in your business talking about some, you're going to do what the pastor tell you. Then the next one get up. The only, per- only way you're supposed to hit through scriptures is through your pastor. Everything else, you can only go to God for repentance. I'm sitting there listening. Watch this. God got a ram in the bush. God got a ram in the bush. Because I'm, I'm heavy now. I feel the religious pressure on me. Woman gets up here. She says, who are you? I just want you to know that you are a child of a king. In the midst of all them. I turned to look. You should have seen their faces. You should have seen their faces. I don't even know the woman. She wasn't a minister. She wasn't a pastor. She wasn't a bishop. She just an ordinary lady. Got up and said, who are you? I want you to know that you are a child of a king. I said, amen. I already know that. They don't. The problem ain't me knowing it. It's them. They trying to keep me. Anytime Jesus said, I would not leave you orphans. And then ten, you've been in the ministry 10 years and you're still an orphan. Let's keep it moving. All right. Romans eight fifteen. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, your church experience is not supposed to be the spirit of slavery. According to that scripture, when you came into the ministry, you were not supposed to receive. You weren't supposed to leave from out the world coming to hear and receive the spirit of slavery that made you fall back into fear. Instead, when you came to church, you were supposed to receive the spirit of adoption. Patience, peace, love, 
Get taught who you are in God. Get taught that he's your father. Get taught that you don't have to be an orphan. You are not supposed to come in here. And the first thing that happens at the Nepio stage is I get you to work for me. They had us doing chicken dinners. We did it. They, they, t- they told us the only way that we could work for God was through the church. We did everything. Clean told us she was a secretary. I was a video man. I took up the, I did everything but sing in the choir. Y'all know why. Come on now, Kirby. Give me your voice. How about that? <laughs> but so when you go to a ministry, watch this. You're going to receive one or the other. Either you're going to receive the spirit of adoption where you in that ministry can cry, Abba, Father, or you're going to receive the spirit of, a, of slavery and you're going to constantly stay in fear. Every time you do something or every time something don't happen for you, you're going to be wondering, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Y'all know how it is. You, put, you, you didn't put in five applications. Lord, what did I do wrong? Is it the sin? What is it that I do? Is it what I, how I, is what I said wrong to Chris? What, what, what? No. How about this? I want you to own a company. (laughs) But when you got the spirit of slavery in you, that freedom is not even there. That's why it's a must that we build these platforms. The business finance team, platform. Divine Generations Day, platform. February, the women going to speak, platform. That's the job of a spiritual father. It's to give you a platform. I do not want a ministry where you got singers and producers, but they don't work together. You got actors, cameramen, script writers, and none of them work together. They working with everybody else but amongst one another. And the only platform is the pastors. All right. Yeah. Sit like y'all like that. All right. Galatians 4 and 8. This is Paul talking to the Galatian church. Every time you read an epistle, you have to read it as if he's raising them. Okay, every epistle to the Gentile is Paul raising them. All right. Um, And it reads, but in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? Good question, right? Verse 10, you are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. That's how they keep you religious. Verse 11, I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. My labor for you has been wasted. So everything above, he's letting you know, I've been laboring in you so that you won't do those things, so that you won't go back into the world. Verse 16, 
So then, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? They court you eagerly, but not for good. He's talking about religious folks. They just want you in their church so they can build their ministry, so they can build their name. But the purpose of the church is to build a family. Like I told you, when your job, when you try to build a ministry, when stuff go wrong in the ministry, you got to fix that. You don't fix family. Family crazy. Okay. It's about growing. Family's about growing. Verse 18. No, verse 17. They court you eagerly, but not for good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it is always good to be pursued in a good manner. What he's saying is that it ain't no longer being pursued, but what's their plans with your life? There ain't nothing wrong with being pursued. There ain't nothing wrong with handing out flyers and inviting people to church. But in the end, what are you, what is your plans for their life? What are you going to do with the person once you get them in their ministry? I had a brother act call me one day and say, uh, man, we just praying that you come back to the church. Woo, woo, woo. I said, I'll come back when you tell me how it's helping you. I haven't got the call because you can't tell me how it's helping you. All you can say is you go to church and you're going to make it to heaven. If that's your only goal, ain't got nothing to do with coming to church. Coming to church is about getting your life, getting your destiny, finding out what your assignment is, your purpose, being part of a community, a family, seeing where can you get your hands in and building up the kingdom. Verse 18, but it is always good to be pursued in a good manner and not just when I am with you. He said, I know my agenda with you. Watch this. Verse 19, my children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. He knows the plan. This is the plan. All right. And no matter what you go through, we're going to be here with you until Christ is formed in you. That's the bottom line. All right. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So we're here to build up a body. All right. Verse 13. Until we all, everybody in here, So watch this. If everybody in here has reached the unity of faith and the knowledge of the son of God, watch this. We ain't done because we're going to get visitors next week. Now, what is our job to get them to the same place? That's the job. You know what the five stages of sonship, you know what the orphan spirit look like. As people come in here, they don't have to talk to me and Dr. Hardy all the time. Why? Because you're equipped. You're equipped to do it until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God. 
Faith is in the Father, but we need knowledge in the Son of God. Why? Because that's what we're conforming to. That's why you have to preach Christ. You can't just preach Jesus. You have to preach Christ because Christ was God's son. I was telling my wife last night that it's crazy how Peter, Jesus comes to Peter and says, who do men say I am? That was the question. He won't know what do men say. Some say you John the Baptist. Some say you Elijah. Some say you like one of the other prophets. Who do you say I am? I say that you are Christ, the son of the living God. The next thing that comes out of his mouth is this. Jesus' mouth is this. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. So what is he saying? I didn't even tell you that. Who he said revealed it to him? My father, which was in heaven. So the father, which was in heaven, told Peter that Christ was the son. And it wasn't Jesus. See, we get it mixed up because we forget God is a spirit. God can't be a spirit and his children be human. If that's the case, then you die. And when you die, you're no longer son. That's why Jesus died on the cross, but Christ didn't die. Why? Because his son can't die. The fact that Christ got back in that body shows that in Jesus was the son of God. And people are trying to be like Jesus when the Bible tells you to have the mind of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're not the body of Jesus. He said he wants to labor with us until Jesus is formed in us. What? What are you talking about? It's Jesus. Whatever. It's Jesus. I don't care what the scriptures say. You conform to that man with that long hair and that robe. That ain't the goal. Jesus had his own life, his own personality, his own assignment. The job is to see what can you do with Christ in you. That's the job. The same spirit that was in Jesus walking in his ministry is now in you. And he didn't give it to you half cocked. He gave it to you fully equipped. He gave it to you after he went through his ministry with it. Uh, y'all ain't ready for that one. Y'all ain't ready for that one. <laughs> y'all might start getting faith in here. We don't want to do that. Y'all might start leaving. And I, I, and if you leave here, God ain't with you. Just being like everybody else. Until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, Growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. That has to be the number one agenda when you enter into a ministry. If this is not happening, eventually there will be frustration. There's going to be frustration. I told you in 2013, the father or 14, the father told me, he said, the church has been doing it wrong. They should be doing it like universities do it. He said, the church is the only educational institution where people show up, have no idea what they're learning, and they have no idea where they're going, but they show up every Sunday. 
They have no idea. 20 years later, uh, I just can't wait till the day I'm with the Lord. The Bible says that he too, that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. The Lord is in you. That's why he is a king of kings and a lord of lords. You are joint heirs with Jesus. You have already received the messianic anointing, prophet, priest, king. It's already in you. Because you are in Christ, you get the messianic anointing. You are already a prophet, priest, and king. That came with it. That's that's a package deal. Bible says this. We're going to close in a second. It says, we have to grow in grace and the knowledge of God, of the Son of God. Grow in grace and knowledge of the Son of God, which means when you come into ministry, you're supposed to learn under love. You're supposed to learn under grace. You can't learn under the law. You can't learn under the law. There is no teaching that can come across this pulpit that says, once you've made this mistake, he no longer wants you. That's legalistic. I tell people all the time, you're not even, you don't, you're not, you don't even have a covenant with God right now. You don't have a covenant, which means he didn't, he, the covenant we're in right now, he didn't make with us. We are in the covenant that he made with himself. That's a parental covenant. It's the covenant my kids in. They nice to be here. Who responsibility is to take care of? Who responsibility is to be patient with them and love them and raise them and nurture them? It's our responsibility. That now becomes the church responsibility. Everybody who comes in here, it's your responsibility to be patient with them. Jesus said, I will build the church. When he said, I will build my church, he wasn't talking about himself physically. He was talking about his body. Everybody who comes into my body will be a part of building my church. Everybody in here has a role to play. That's why what you do is important here. It's important. Your platform Bring someone else in. Your platform helps someone else. If I got, if I have the only platform, the only thing we're doing is getting teaching. We need what Dre does. We need what Chris does. We need what Kirby does. We need what Terry does. We need what Miss Mary. We need what everybody in here does. In order to make the church function properly, because it's supposed to be a family. So, this is what you have to do. You have to make sure. That any ministry that you go to, that they can raise you and love you until Christ is formed in you. You don't have to be here. You don't have to be here. One day God might tell you to leave. He might tell you to move to another country, another city. All I'm telling you is your obligation to make sure that church can raise you. It's your obligation. You might not like me. I wear too many Jordans for you. And you might think I'm still not the tithes. I don't know what it might be. Okay, whatever it is, 
Aricha Derbe, all right, and, and I love you. Okay, I'll see you later. But make sure that you find a church that's gonna can raise you, <laughs> that's gonna be patient with you, that's gonna give you a platform, that's gonna love you, that's gonna accept you, that you can make mistakes and come back into the family like nothing happened. Just make sure that happened. That's all I ask you. That's it. And that's for you. That ain't for me. I've never left a ministry and was told this. We know you got to go, but we love you and we wish you well. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. It's always damnation. It's always damnation. Look, if you're going to leave, before you leave, let me tell you, we love you. This will always be your home. Divine generation always has a place for you. No matter what happens, we always have a place for you. If you feel like this ain't the one for you, look, go find, go look. <laughs> go look. I'm serious. Go, go look. And when you come back, we still accept you. We still love you. Because this is rare. You can't go here. You can't look. I understand why the the, the, uh, the disciples said, "Where will we go? You preach the words of eternal life." I understand. Seventy-two disciples left him. Jesus said, "Y'all going too?" He had confidence in the product. <laughs> I got confidence in the product. No confidence in me. It's the product. Anybody can deliver it. That's why I want you on a platform. Anybody can do this. I want y'all up here doing it. It needs to be done because I can't be here forever. Ministries need to be started. The word needs to be spread. And I ain't trying to be everywhere at one time. I told you, we Wu-Tang. We Wu-Tang. You don't know who about to come up. Come like old dirty, you know. <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about old dirty. Y'all don't know nothing about old dirty. Ah! Y'all don't know nothing about ah! Y'all don't know nothing about old dirty. <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about ghost face. Y'all don't know. All right, we can't do this in church, can we? Yes, we can. You know why? Because I'm the pastor. <laughs> So it is your obligation, okay, to find a ministry that can raise you. Don't put yourself under subjection and complain about it. Like marrying somebody you know ain't good for you. Don't come to me talking about it. I want to hear it. (laughs) Because when you don't do that, you do this. You move from foster home to foster home, orphanage to orphanage. That's all you do. You move from one orphanage to the other orphanage. This orphanage just got a lot more gifted people. This orphanage just got a lot more money. They got prosperity over here. This orphanage, they just got a big building. But what is the content of the people? 
Church hurt happens because, one, the orphan spirit. All right? That's the number one. Orphan spirit. If the leader don't know if God is father, then the people won't know. If the leader doesn't know you have an orphan spirit, then the people won't know they have an orphan spirit. I recognize my own orphan spirit. Orphan, look, it, it don't lead till you get the, it don't lead till you get home. I'm just telling you, it comes and goes. It look good now. Some days you come here, it's empty. You're like, Lord, you call me? You sure? What I do wrong? You have to check yourself. The orphan spirit is going to be there because you are not in his presence and you don't understand his world. It's going to happen. You're going to get jealous. You're going to get mad. You're going to get envious. All that stuff is going to happen in the church. Why? Because the orphan spirit exists. Number two, church hurt happens because people are human. They're human. People make mistakes. People make mistakes. Sometimes people start ministry and they weren't supposed to start ministry. I think most people started ministry Watch this, because they weren't given a platform in a ministry. The scriptures say it's supposed to work like this. First apostle, then prophet, then teacher. The way it works, the apostle lays the foundation. The prophet comes, gives the vision. The teacher makes the curriculum. Then you hand that over to a pastor. Then you hand that over to a pastor. The pastor don't go start a church with no apostle, no prophet, no foundation. What ends up happening is they wear themselves out and the people remain orphans or infants. Number three, Nepio's leadership. The father told me this when I started teaching this. He said, be easy on ministries. He said, because a lot of them became pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers before they became children. Now, this can be fixed. The problem is pride. If you don't teach the five stages of sonship in your ministry, it's not going to be activated in the people. Most likely you can't teach it because you don't know it, meaning you don't, you don't have the soul for it itself. If you haven't walked through it, then it's not matured in your mind. If you haven't dealt with your orphan spirit, then you can't deal with others. The fourth reason is because they have ministry plans, but no family plans. All right. That's when the Bible talks about wolves in sheep clothing, doing this thing for gain. They're trying to build a ministry. They're trying to build their name. And the fifth reason for church hurt, false claims. 
Ain't nothing wrong with you. Anybody did nothing to you. You got rebuked. You didn't like it. You left. <laughs> Somebody said something to you. You got in your feelings. Somebody stepped on your shoe. Somebody rubbed you the wrong way, looked at you the wrong way. You didn't like the way somebody smelled, so you left. Or, so it was either the shepherd hurting you with the word to bring you to a level. Because we don't like ouch words. (laughs) Or, it's them being a surgeon, which means they're hurting you to heal you. Or they're using the scriptures to prune you. Or they're rebuking you, or they may be chastising you to make you better. That happens too, and those are what we call false claims. Those are false claims. They're not wrong. They're not really happen. You just don't want nobody to tell you what to do. And but this is the thing: who in here want authority? Who in here want authority? Y'all, none of y'all want authority. Oh my God. Please raise your hand unless y'all got sweat marks and y'all want me to see them. I ain't going to tell nobody. I'm the only one to see it. All right. If you ain't sure, you ain't sure. All right. Now, we all want authority. But in order to have authority, you must first be able to sit under authority. You must first be able to allow somebody to have an authoritative word over you. Now, authoritative does not mean authoritarian. Okay. Telling you to do something and making you is different. That's the way the father is. The father would tell you to do something, but he ain't going to make you do nothing. He's not going to make you pay tithes. He's not going to make you get offerings. He's not going to make you show up. He'll give you a word, but he ain't going to make you obey it. He's not. So, and the last thing I want to say before we go is we have to understand this. The church hurt happened from people, not from the father. All right. Church hurt happened because of religious folks, not because of the father. Church hurt happened because people misconstrued the Bible. It didn't happen because of the father. I told you every time we got ready to go to leave a church it was always an attack. It was never flawless. But the thing is, I learned from that. No ministry is perfect. That's why I say I'm not targeting ministries. I'm not even targeting pastors. But somebody got to get a, has to have a recipe to make it work. We have to have a recipe to make it work. We can't just sit around and act like this stuff ain't happening. No, we need to have a plan in motion for when people come in here. If you don't, when people hit the door and when they leave because they're frustrated, you're going to tell them and watch this. We have no problem with people coming to our church, but we have problem with people leaving. So you can leave every church and come here. <laughs> But as soon as somebody leave your church, now you got a problem. Yeah, well, we came over here from Creflo. We ain't like what they were. Oh, well, come in. We understand. 
But then when they leave your church, we leave it here because we just don't like, no, hold on. <laughs> no, it don't work like that. But at the same time, I want to say this. You should always be in prayer about where you should be. You should always be in prayer. Always be in prayer about where you should be. Amen. All right. At this time, we ask everyone to stand to their feet. Hallelujah. Did you guys learn something?